Beach Grove United Methodist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday, January 24th, 2021, the third Sunday after Epiphany. Thank you for listening this week, and if you would like to view the service in its entirety, please go to our Facebook or YouTube page by following the links in the podcast notes. Enjoy this week's message, and don't forget to share it with others by sharing the po- this podcast or our full service on Facebook or YouTube. Our message this week comes from Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsed him, and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you. Lord, that through this message we would get down to business and build your kingdom. Amen. So this time between the celebration of Epiphany on January 6th, that is the end of the Christmas season, and Ash Wednesday on February 17th this year, marking the beginning of Lent, it's, for me it's always been this, this odd time frame, especially as a preacher. It sometimes, in some years, can last only four or five weeks, and there are some years where it could last as many as eight or nine. It is, our, it is the first part of our ordinary time here in the church liturgical year. And I've always found it an odd void to fill in terms of preaching, even though, uh, even, so the seasons of Advent and Christmas and Lent and Easter, you see they have these Themes that run through them that make them really easy to to kind of bring ideas around. Even the other ordinary time that happens in our liturgical calendar is long. It it, it spans our entire summer and fall. And there are a plethora of things that I can use to fill that time because I have a lot of time to do it. But this one, when it's only four or five or six weeks as it is this year, it almost seems an odd space and void to fill. What do I do in this time? And so this year I turned to the Revised Common Lectionary, which for those of you who aren't familiar, is a series of three years that breaks the Bible down in certain parts of the Bible into scripture readings each week. The lectionary includes an Old Testament passage, a psalm, a New Testament epistle lesson, either from one of Paul's letters, or some of the other letters that are in the New Testament, and a gospel lesson. 
Some pastors preach and use all four texts. Some, like me, only use one. Some use two or three. Some use any combination of them that they feel like. But as I looked at what I wanted to preach on, I saw the focus on this first chapter in the Gospel of Mark. And I knew that this chapter would help to give us directions as Christians as we continue to be faced with what many of us are probably getting tired of hearing are unprecedented times. Mark draws us in with these stories. Jesus moving from one space to another almost seamlessly, quickly preaching in one place and then another, preaching the good news in many different ways. As we look and see the way that Mark portrays Jesus, we see a Savior who is passionate about the message he was sent to share. And even better, he doesn't back down in the face of adversity. And even better, he loves beyond any measure of a doubt. We have, thus far in this series, which we are only in the third, third week of, third week, Time seems to be so weird these days. We've seen Jesus baptized. We've seen Jesus enter the wilderness, preach his first sermon, and call his first disciples. And in that, unpacking covenant within our baptism. Tangentially, how that covenant carries us through the wilderness and keeps us focused on our purpose and unpacking what that good news that Jesus preaches means for us who answer that call to follow him. And so as we continue to work our way through this first chapter of Mark, now we will observe three acts of healing, each one of them giving us a different vision of how we embody the kingdom of God in our daily lives. The end of this first chapter of the Gospel of Mark looks at these three situations that Jesus has put in where Jesus not only heals, but that healing does something and it teaches something to those who are following him. And so this week we are going to get down to business as we are doing in this first chapter of the Gospel of Mark by seeing what it means to find our voice in the kingdom. To speak up and to speak out against the evils of this world. This essentially becomes a call to embrace the example that Jesus offers us. Not just here in Mark, not just here in the first chapter of Mark, but throughout all of the Gospels. We latch on to Jesus' teachings as we have committed to following him and learning and in seeing Jesus' interactions in the scripture passage this week. We seek to understand what it means to speak up. Speaking up is aided by knowing and understanding the nature of Jesus' interactions, especially when it comes to his interaction in our scripture passage today. This man with the unclean spirit in the text this week. And even its relationship to our contemporary understanding of evil in this world. The scripture breaks down into a pretty simple narrative when we look at it. These seven verses giving us an insight into an act of our Savior. What happens? Jesus preaches. 
His authority is praised. He encounters this man with an unclean spirit in the synagogue. Jesus exercises the spirit from the man. And everyone was again amazed by the authority he commands. Jesus not only silences the spirit, but he evicts it from the space by doing something that seems so simple. He calls it. Jesus' approach to the evil in this instant is to name it and to call out against it. And when the man with the unclean spirit approaches Jesus, it is the spirit that tries to demean Christ by appealing to his name. The gospel writer recounts saying that uh, the spirit cried out, that this is the unclean spirit, the man with the unclean spirit cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And then next, the writer, gospel writer, tells us that Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. This is an approach to evil spirits, evil in general, that Jesus is going to use throughout his ministry. Again, whether you're reading it in Mark or whether you're reading it in another gospel. In the face of something that is not right, Jesus plainly and simply calls it out. Speaking up and speaking out. As we consider what this means for us today, as we live out the gospel, we have to understand the nature of evil in our contemporary world. Evil that exists in the world at large, but even ways in which it seeps itself into our churches. As we see, Jesus does not evict the man from the church, but rather seeks to convict the unclean spirit to leave. In our Wesleyan tradition, we learn that evil is a resultant of sin, both personal and corporate, that leads to suffering. And so with this in mind, we consider what it means to recognize evil in our world today. Or what it looks like for us to even neglect the evil that is present in our lives, even when it is right in front of us, by not speaking out against it. When we interact with ideals that run counter to the proclaimed good news of the kingdom of God, we allow evil to exist in the world. And sometimes, sometimes, it even finds our way into our church communities. In this scripture, the man with the unclean spirit is in the synagogue. He is in this temple worship setting. We don't know how he got there. We don't know if he has been there before. But what we do see is Jesus speaking out against him, against the spirit. It probably could have been very easy for anybody in that space to just take the man outside. To not do anything about the unclean spirit itself, but to just evict the man out of the building. To ignore the evil altogether. But would that truly have solved the issue? Would the evil have been gone? Or would the religious community have simply ignored it, only to have it reinfect our community later on? Was this man with the unclean spirit already a part of the religious community? These are answers that we don't have 
when we read the Gospel of Mark, but I think when we I think we can see in our own communities what happens when we allow evil, evil thoughts, evil ideals to exist within our communities. Not even just our church communities, but our local communities. We live in a world that is a result of our feigned ignorance or lack of backbone when it comes to encountering evil and speaking against it. We live in a world that still neglects to fully reconcile the sins and evil of things like racism. Yes, we have moved beyond slavery. Yes, we have moved beyond Jim Crow in some ways. But we still have racial tendencies. And our inability to give voice against it is what is causing the continued harm that is being felt by black and brown communities across the country. And until we are willing to not just name racism as a sin and an evil, but go so far as to actually speak up and speak out against it, racism that still pervades our society, we will never fully move past it. And here's the thing. It's not just racism. It's classism. It's sexism. It's equality. It's justice. It's religious intolerance. All ways in which our society tries to devalue the life of a a human person for arbitrary reasons that are not consistent with the kingdom of God. Our inability to call out and to reconcile these evils, even in our own church communities, has led to these evils becoming socially acceptable. We've come to treat this story of Jesus just exercising demons. But we have become unwilling to name the demons that exist in our own society. We often talk about the personification of a devil character who tempts us to sin. Instead, and have neglected the manner in which we are responsible. We, personally, corporately, are responsible for the evils that plague our world. Until we are willing to speak up and speak out against it. Until we can find our voice to name and speak out against these evils, our society is going to continue to feel and experience the harm of these sins. We will continue to experience police violence against black and brown people as they are viewed through the lens of implicit biases. We will continue to see LGBTQ persons committing suicide at higher rates because their life and identity have been so devalued. We will continue to experience economic inequalities with rampant poverty that corrupts because we think them too lazy and too for not being able to learn a living. We will even continue to experience partisan division because we focus more on why the other side is wrong rather than how we can better love one another and unify across the divide to do good work despite our differences. What we can't do is think that in any way the society that we have or the society we've had at any point in human history is perfect. We cannot think that the presence of evil in the world is just something that happens. We cannot remain on the sidelines on this. We have to find our voice and like Jesus, we have to tell that evil, be silent and get out of here. Because our own silence in the face of evil and oppression is what leads to more evil and oppression. And the gospel writer in this text is showing how Jesus uses his voice 
And later we even see through his own actions to work and to call out and to evict this evil that is present. If Jesus was just to say silent, it would never have solved the problem, but would have only made it worse. Holocaust survivor and Jewish author Elie Weissel wrote, We must take sides. Neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. Silence encourages the tormentor, never the tormented. Sometimes we must interfere. When human lives are, endang are endangered, when human dignity is in jeopardy, national borders and our sensitivities become irrelevant. Whenever men and women are persecuted because of their race, religion, or political views, that must, at that moment, become the center of the universe. And it's not just Weissel who writes these kinds of things. This sentiment is found across many of those who have fought for justice throughout the history of time. Silence is not a response for those seeking justice. And we see that as an example right here as Jesus encounters this unclean spirit. We have to call out. We have to speak up. We find the unclean spirits and we tell them to get out. And here I will be distinct to say that the spirit of the evil we seek to evict is not the person themselves. We do not seek to demonize people. We do not seek to demonize humans. We seek to call out the unclean rhetoric that a person may have and seek to exercise that from the community. But we help to welcome people, to help to welcome everyone as a child of God, in God's love and God's grace, as we seek to grow stronger as a community to build the kingdom of God. We are passionate in our efforts to share the grace and love of God by letting people know that these acts are not what God has intended to be a part of the kingdom. We are firm and direct in addressing that which runs counter to God's vision. And ultimately, we are guided by the example of Christ as we seek to encourage those around him to go grow past oppressive and unjust systems. But here's the thing. We have to find our voice. We need to remember that our voice it cannot harm other people and their humanity in the process. But it is important as we are seeking to bring about justice and grace in the world <clears throat> that we move beyond, that we call out, that we speak up and out against that which is harming humanity. The grace and compassion that Jesus shows in the midst of what otherwise may seem like a chaotic situation goes to show what can be done when we truly stand up and speak out against systems and persons that perpetuate evil and oppression. I do not wish, as always, for, for, for this sermon to be any cause of division or judgment. But we have to keep alert for rhetoric that seeks to ultimately harm and divide us. And we must be willing to call out in love to help to heal the wounds of what has already taken place. Because healing cannot happen without true repentance and a true willingness from everybody for reconciliation.
And so Jesus calls us to speak. To speak for the kingdom. To speak for God's love and grace and justice. Amen. To answer the call of Jesus, to answer the call to follow Jesus, is to engage with who Jesus was. To engage with his earthly ministry, just as the disciples did. When we answer the call to follow Jesus, that means we are seeking to learn from Jesus exactly how we do this task of building the kingdom of God. There is a reason that the first mention of Jesus' preaching and Jesus' calling the disciples are placed right here next to each other. I mean, one, Mark is trying to create a chronological narrative, but it seems like they almost go together. That as Jesus sets forth this understanding of preaching, this understanding of the kingdom of God being at hand, that he so too would bring around him a group of people to help learn how to care for and build this kingdom. And so the question we are left with is how far are we willing to follow Jesus? Are we only going to follow Jesus when foundational and transformational change for these people to understand the kingdom? And this is the quality we see enclosed in the early church. As the disciples, once Jesus has been resurrected and ascends to heaven, once the Holy Spirit comes down at Pentecost, as the disciples go across the Roman Empire, they build communities. Look at Paul's writing. Paul is writing to communities that he has built and that he has then gone and left the communities to care for themselves. Service is about building community. Service is about empowering those who are in that community to do that work themselves as well. Yes, we are a part of that community. And we serve within it. But we must ask ourselves, where are we serving? What are we doing? And are we camp carefully discerning God's call as to how we are serving? We must identify the needs 